Hi, this is Andrew Brady, your host of the Evolution of Business podcast, and I'm here today with John Lee from New City Cafe. In early 2016, John began to dream of an avenue to continue teen engagement and further 441 Ministries teen program with formal job training. This dream began to manifest itself in the form of a specialty coffee shop where and at-risk neighborhood teens could not only obtain employment with mentoring and life skills, but also work towards becoming certified baristas. By God's gracious provision of finances and many skilled volunteers, New City Cafe became a reality on June 9th of 2017. As a program of 441 Ministries Beachwood Incorporated, New City Cafe furthers the overall ministry's mission of bringing hope, healing, and holistic development to Beachwood. This is accomplished through providing jobs to young men and women in the community, training them holistically, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and through establishing a thriving cafe business that provides a great gathering space for the community. As the executive director of New City Cafe, John leads this ministry and continually pursues future opportunities for neighborhood-focused economic development and job creation in Beachwood. I'm trying to think of the first time, John, that, that I met you, but I've certainly been in the cafe quite a few times to, to meet with you or, or to meet with other folks. Actually, now that I'm remembering, uh, it was Tiana that, that first brought me to, uh, to New City Cafe. So um, tell me a little bit about what first brought you to, to New City Cafe. What led you up to kind of getting involved in 441 Ministries, kind of your personal story? Sure, sure. Um, about eight years ago, uh, my family met Chris Holdridge, which was the founder of 441 Ministries, and he came in and spoke about all the things that they're doing in the Beachwood neighborhood, and I was leading a youth group at that point, and, he, and it just made me think about, man, we got to do something different outside of the box, and it really pulled on my heart, and we, we took the, the youth group over there, and um, we started serving at the park, doing little little plays and things like that for the kids, and you know, we would go out there three days and there would be 50 to 60 kids all on, on the tarp um, at the park. And something at that point um, really spoke to me. And uh, I, I believe that God gave me a real vision for um, serving that community. And it wasn't just uh, any deprived or hurting community. It was Beachwood uh, that he placed on my heart. And from that point, I joined um, the ministry and started coming on a weekly basis. And over time, it just, um, my, my responsibilities there grew and my heart grew more for the community, and not just for the kids, but it was for the whole neighborhood. And, um, and one thing led to another and serving in kids clubs and then teen clubs and then realizing that there was this big void where we started losing some of our preteens um, and they would just stop coming to the teen group. And uh, as early as 12 years old, especially for the young, young men, um, and I, I just, that started tugging at my heart even more. And so uh, we had an empty spot. God bless us with the whole corner there. And uh, we had this empty sh- uh, storefront. And um, I kept looking at it every week. And, and, I, and I just, um, at one point, this vision came that we should put a specialty coffee shop in there and actually give good jobs and good job training and um, develop skills because many of these kids will not get the type of education maybe I or you, Andrew, have benefited from and or even had the opportunity to benefit from. And so that um, began this new uh, journey of my life where now I've pulled my whole family we live in the Beachwood neighborhood. Yeah, you're all in. <laughs> we're all in. So that's that's what we're doing now. And um, it's amazing. The cafe's been open for about a year and a half now. 
and it, it's 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 on target. So we're excited. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, one of the things that you were mentioning, you know, as you're as you're thinking about wanting to bring in this coffee shop, and you have certainly a a beautiful spot. Uh, you know, for those of you outside of of Rochester, uh, Beachwood is is one of the the neighborhoods targeted by the Rochester Monroe Anti Poverty Initiative. You know, really for for revitalization, and so it, it's definitely in need. And, and you decided, and and really what what struck me and what got my attention uh, about New City Cafe was that you were trying to do it through business, you know, how, how to help lift up this neighborhood and, and especially this this corner that you started on through business. And so um, was there anything from your perspective, why, why did you decide on, why did you decide on coffee? Did you have a p- particular passion for it or what was the coffee shop? What was the beginning of that? Right. I, I Obviously coffee is a world language, right? And, um, and I love coffee. And so coffee was something that um, I thought, is really neat because um, as I started learning, and I know I've shared this with you, Andrew, before, but from a a green coffee bean that's shipped all over the world, and I kind of say it like this, is that coffee is like, uh, life is kind of like coffee, you know, our story from a green bean to espresso shot, there's a great story in all of us. Um, But the story can only be had when you understand the journey. And so from being planted and absorbing all the different flavors of its environment and then picked and shipped from all over the world, purposefully roasted just right, packed and shipped again. Then you put it, you're put in a hopper until needed and then pulverized and grinded just right, pressed down and extracted. But then after that, you're placed in a cup full of aroma and flavor of its original birth. And, um, you know, as I thought, as you know, the whole process of creating the coffee shop and and all the volunteers and just the different people that has co- really have come together and the community that's coming together, um, this story becomes uh, really my story, and I want it to become a story for each of our employees and all that. Now, I think I kind of went around your question, but you know, definitely my love for coffee and and how popular the third wave coffee has really hit. Um, all metropolitan markets um, was something that was on my mind. Um, the startup costs is is doable, um, I believe, and the micro business mindset is is something that I felt like that we can handle as 440 ministry. Um, and then, you know, the closest great coffee around was Glen Edith, right? And and what I realized serving in the Beachwood neighborhood is people walk. And not a lot of people have cars. And so to enjoy a great cup of coffee, uh, besides a diner coffee, um, is, it wasn't there. And so th- that's what struck me the most. And that's why coffee was uh, the first choice on my mind. Yeah, yeah. And, and for those of you who haven't been to New City Cafe, it's at a 441 Parcells. And, and uh, you know, you can get a great cup of coffee, certainly. Uh, the decor in there really, you know, would transport you to, to any trendy coffee shop around Rochester, or around the country. And and so it's it's something though that you have to be careful of when you're when you're going into that neighborhood. I mean, certainly you, as you mentioned, moved your whole family into the neighborhood. You know, you're really integrating yourself into the community. But 
the thing that always struck me is one of the first times we were chatting about it is, is you showed me this big painting on the wall and you said that you, you asked the artist to, to paint a vision of Beechwood that was transformed but not changed. Did I get that right? Revitalized. Revitalized yeah. but not changed. And, and so, so tell me a little bit mm. about, uh, you know, about the importance of really integrating with the community and, and involving them in the process and, and making this a, a place for all of Rochester to congregate. Yeah, I, I think it's um, just seeing you there at the coffee shop and so many other community leaders and uh, people from all around are stopping in and drinking. And, and then we have people from the community. And it's just such a great mix of all these dif- different people from different backgrounds, just like the coffee story. And that's what I really love. And I think the purpose of it was to be a meeting spot, not just for the community. Predominantly, we wanted to affect the students and give them a job and give them training and leadership development. But um, more than that, our second desire was to make it a very safe, um, excellent coffee shop for the community to enjoy. But then it is also a meeting ground for people from outside the community, uh, people that might work in the neighborhood to enjoy that same space. So it creates this open door for all people. And, um, and I think that's what is, is making us distinct from other coffee shops. And I know that there's things happening all around the country, around the world, similar to this. And the only thing I would say is that uh, we can use a lot of the same things that we can learn from other coffee shops, but there's something unique about every community. And so what we try to do is listen to our community well so that we absorb um, the community well so that we can give back to the community what they want, really want. Yeah, I, I know you've done a lot of outreach to uh, around the community to, to try to invite them into the coffee shop, to give them price points that they could afford to, to come into the coffee shop. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, you've said you've been open for a year. What kinds of things maybe have surprised you or, or what kind of challenges have come come your way? How, how has New City kind of evolved or your vision for New City kind of evolved as you've, as you've faced some of those challenges? Yeah, I, I, I know you prepped me with some questions <laughs> and I appreciated that because I really pondered that, th- that question right there. And, and I think what surprised me the most, um, a little bit about myself and um, really, really about myself is this, is that... Um, just because I think something is great or an idea is great, it doesn't really mean that it necessarily is. And even if I really, really believe that it's a great idea, um, it's not always the best idea. And and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, I think that when I first entered into Beachwood and we first started this this whole process of planning out the coffee shop, I started to think of all the excellent ways that we're going to do this ambiance, the the coffee beans, where we're going to get it from, how we're going to, you know, just, I mean, if you ask anybody, you walk into anybody, anybody that's on staff and ask them, what, what's John about? What does he always tell us? And they will, they, I hope they say he desires excellence. And, um, and I'll explain that a little more later on, but, but, um, yeah, so I, I come in with this idea that I think is so great, put something so excellent where most people that want to do something really excellent, they might say, well, I'm not going to put that business in Beechwood. And we believe that, no, that's why we want to put it in Beechwood, um, to help in the revitalization process because there's so much good in the neighborhood 
that exists now that all we want to do is implement something that is really great that the the neighborhood deserves, right? And so, um, so this thought that um, I can go in and do this great, um, and we planned and planned and planned. We looked at everyone's pricing, and we said, you know, let's just be a little under that price because we want to be really affordable as well, but maintain the high, excellent quality, right? Um, we didn't shy away from any uh, expenses as far as making the place look so great and and comfortable and uh, and all those things. And yet, uh, the first three to four months to almost about half a year, we were getting we were getting the growth we wanted, but there wasn't the right um, mix of people. Like we weren't seeing enough of our own community people coming in as much. And, um, and I, we, we had to kind of go back to the drawing board and think about and ask questions. Why, why is this happening? What are we doing wrong? And there was two things that I thought, um, we learned from it. And one was we actually were giving out discount cards for community leaders and for businesses around the neighborhood to draw some more business and, um, and to our church leaders and things like that. And, um, and even our own church members that, that reside, most of us reside in the Beachwood neighborhood. But it, it dawned on me that we're giving discounts to people that maybe can already afford or would buy this stuff somewhere else um, and not giving the same discount to our residents. And so we decided that that was something that we need to change immediately. So we decided to get rid of all the discounts and apply to all our pricing. So we actually lowered our pricing down 10, 10% for, for everyone to enjoy and not just for the few. So inc- be very inclusive about our pricing. And then the other thing that we realized that the corner market right across from us had dollar coffees, I heard. And I knew their coffee was nothing like ours. And their costs on the coffee was nothing like ours. And yet, perception is everything. And when they went in to get that cup of coffee from that corner store, they perceived it to be good and what they needed, and it was a dollar. It was dark and it had caffeine, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you know what? And, and we, just dis- we just mulled over that a lot. We just thought, okay, can we cover the cost? Can we do this and can we not? Um, and at the end of the day, we just decided that – we needed to do that. We needed to offer a dollar coffee. So we produced a small coffee, which we didn't have originally, and we, we charged a dollar. Our costs are the same. The amount of grinds that we use for that coffee is the same, um, but the price is lower. And, and by the way, after we did that, we ended up knocking down pretty much 50 cents for every coffee price. And so um, did that hurt? It, it I think it hurt a little bit in the beginning, but we saw uh, an increase of double the coffee sales as soon as we started uh, doing that. After about a month, we've noticed a, a double in our sales. So I think those are the things that we learned is just just watching and hearing from our neighbors. And I need to do that more. I need to get out there and listen more, hear about the food offerings that they would desire. You know, that's our next thing for the fall is to create some kind of food offering for lunch that uh, the community really would love, you know, versus what I think that that's a great idea. Interesting. Yeah, because I'm thinking about, you know, as, as you're growing 
uh, at your your coffee business and and you're trying to evolve and, and, and adapt to to what the market's telling you uh, you know getting getting that coffee getting getting it out there to, to have people feel feel invited into into your space and and be able to to spend time there even though yeah the, your your dollar coffee you know there's there's a lot more that goes into it than maybe a dollar coffee across the street so um, you're, you're leading though right into the kind of one of the questions that I often ask people, uh, especially because it's a question that I hear all the time from from kind of the skeptics of conscious capitalism, and, and they're they're you know the the traditional business folks that are focused purely on the bottom line. And I'm never going to tell you that you know you don't need to at least have a consciousness of the bottom line because that's what allows you to to have the mission that you have at New City or whatever whatever your conscious business is. Um, but how do you navigate? How do you try to balance? Uh, this this struggle between now personally I don't think it's a it's a one or the other between profitability and purpose but there is times as as you're mentioning where you know maybe you knock down your prices because it's following your purpose even though it might hurt your profitability a little bit although as you said it did increase the quantity of coffees that you were selling so there's a there's a benefit there to some extent but how do you uh, how do you balance that whether uh, you know, in your own mind, or with the with the four forty one board, or what what are some of the kinds of thought processes that that you go through b- balancing the profitability and purpose? Yeah, I mean, it's that was another good question that I was I was really really contemplating, and um, yeah, it's e- easy to think and believe in different things of why we do it and how it works, and yet uh, actually getting it down on paper into words um, is a little more difficult, but. Um, old economics says that if you, you know, even though you lower a price, if you're, if you're, if you're selling coffee at a high margin, high price, and you're only selling five a day, um, you're going to lose money over time. But if you sell it at a reasonable market rate or even a little bit below to be really focused on the community and you sell a hundred, guess what? You made more money. So we're not about being a business that's just giving things away. We're about it. We're about a business that is going to be successful and we want to show profits, um, and be sustainable. And yet, um, we have to offer what is right for that community. And every marketing strategy is about knowing your audience. Right. And so we're, we're learning about our audience more and more every day. And then our price points and the way we do business, um, is, is, is just sensitive to um, the community around us, um, and yet very focused on numbers and looking at can we sustain this and what do we need to change and what do we need to do to grow the business? Because ultimately, if we don't grow, uh, we will fail. So we have to grow. So we are, we're always looking at how do we offer this product and why, do, why don't we take this product off the shelf because it's not really helping us. Um, so we're always looking and searching, and I think that's one thing that we try to do well. Um, part uh, the next thing I want to talk about in that question was some things that we we might have talked about, and things that um, some of the books that you brought to us through conscious capitalism. But this whole pushing and pulling as leaders and um, as a business, we could either push or we can pull, right? And um, the thought that came to me this morning as I was just dwelling on this is when we push our products or when we push uh, whatever it is that we're trying to sell, um, we're, we develop, we, di- we discipline, and we direct. 
not just our people, but we, we do the same thing to our community or to the people that are buying from us. But when we're pulling, we're innovating and we're influencing and we're inspiring. So I know that's a, a, a whole conglomerate of a lot of teachings I've heard and different things that we've been through and, and all that. But I think it's so true. And I'm, I'm really investigating my own heart in this and, and how we do business well. Um, and I, I really want to take those two things, um, those two columns, and really dive into it and really become very good at pulling our people. That's what we're doing in our leadership development with our, our student employees is really pulling them, you know, being innovative and in how I um, how I do things with one one uh, staff member versus another and another because they're all so different, right? And so how do I um, become innovative in how I approach them, how I learn about them, um, how, to, how, to, how they learn better, right? And those are things that we deal with a lot, right? Absolutely. With Accelerate. And then, um, and then I want to really influence them in ways that really trigger the things that make them thrive and then and they keep inspiring them because they're the one that – is they're the ones that are thriving, right? We're just inspiring them to keep going, right? Yeah, rather than that that traditional uh, command and control directing, right. you know, that that kind of push right. that you're talking about, um, it is, you know, how can in a, in a conscious capitalism context, how can we paint a vision that that people connect to and have them have them pulled towards it? And so, as you're talking, it sounds like a lot of these are things that you know you need to learn for yourself and develop for yourself as a leader. And one of my favorite quotes. Uh, John Mackey talks about in the Conscious Capitalism book that uh, you know leaders need to grow for the organization to grow. You know it needs to be a personal journey. And and uh, you know I was so inspired about your purpose and the New City Cafe purpose. You know one of the ways that we at Accelerate try to uh, you know exercise our purpose is every once in a while for for our uh, usually once per per class of our evolutionary leadership retreat to have a scholarship participant that you know may not be able to afford it otherwise and and I was truly honored that you came through that process and are, are you know continuing to engage with that process um, I'm curious from your perspective, whether through the evolutionary leadership retreat, whether through the last year of just you know working day in and day out in new city, how how is your how have you seen yourself evolve, whether through your own purpose or your understanding of that purpose, or maybe the way that you are leading those those folks? Um, I guess I'll start with just this quote from this book I've been, and I know I shared this with you, Andrew, but um, from Danny Myers um, in Setting the Table, and he said, "My deepest conviction about the intense human drive to provide and receive hospitality." well beyond the world of restaurants. Within moments of being born, most babies find themselves receiving the first four gifts of life. Eye contact, a smile, ask a, a big hug, and some food. Few can ever surpass these first four. And, I, you know, when I read that, it, it struck me pretty hard because when you're running hard all the time, you forget those four things. You forget how much they're essential for your own sustenance and uh, and and then obviously for the people that are below you and are working for you and they're not really below you but they're working for you and and um, so that really triggered a lot of things in me and um, and it it, it really kind of summarized my uh, process this whole year um, from the hard work of just taking a hole in the wall and creating something that is really beautiful at this point. Uh, through all the people that helped and how I 
motivated people, I guess, or influenced people um, was was really crazy. And some of it was very selfish. Some of it I learned that some of it was all about my deadlines or, or, or my growth or my you know attention to me and learning to really humble myself um, and understanding that this is God's work and I'm just um, in this great ride and um, and it's not over and and so I've, I've learned so much over this past year and and going to um, the evolutionary leader retreat that was that was definitely um, a marker in my life where, you know, again, like there aren't a lot of new things under the sun, right? But it's the way um, you guys led that retreat and and the and and just that time to be away from yes. it all was huge. And uh, the homework you gave us, it those were hard hard things to do because you really had to stop and think. And another thing that Danny Meyer says. Uh, that kind of goes right along with that is, is he said that this kind of hospitality is so easy. It's so simple, but it's so hard. And, uh, and I'm a believer. And, and the way I look at my Christian faith is the same way. God makes it so easy. He sent his son and, and, and he's done everything for me. And yet it's so hard because daily I have to get up daily. I have to take that next step. And, um, and yeah, and then trying to teach those around you that same principle, that that same kind of mindset is not it's not easy, um, but we make it more difficult than it's supposed to be. Hmm. So uh, I think that's the, one of the greatest lessons that I've learned. Yeah, whether whether you're talking about as a company uh, or as an individual, whatever whatever you know your purpose is, or if the company puts it up on the wall. Uh, that's really the that's the first step. That's the scary part is is you know committing to it, and then it's it's a matter of yeah, I have to enact this, and I have to wake up every day, and every decision that I make is that moving me more in alignment or farther away from from actually that that purpose. And so putting in the work each and every day, I, I think, is really important. And, and something you know, especially in the last year uh, that that you've been really focused on, because as a as a leader in general, but I think probably even more so because of the the population of people that you're employing that are that are you know young people that are especially in need of some you know role models and some positive stable influences in their lives um, you're you're as a leader you're always on stage people are always watching and and what you do is going to matter a whole lot more than what you say or what you what you espouse and so I'm just curious what you've seen in your um, you know I want to hear a little bit about the, the the daily grind of of working with with these students you know have you what what kinds of things have you seen out of them in the past few years where where are they in their development how have you seen them grow oh man it's been um it's really been a treasure to work with these uh young girls um they have um i've watched a couple of them graduate um um a couple of them are still working on towards that um you know i've i've watched some of the young girls um so shy that they they can't make eye contact and and one of the things about being an excellent customer service representative of of New City Cafe is that you 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 got to make eye contact you have to be vocal so that people hear you welcome them here and i think by teaching them to do those things has really made them pay attention more if we can even say this, pain, giving eye contact to themselves, like actually looking at their own life and actually evaluating 
where they are or their own self-worth. And, and watching this happen right before my eyes on a, on a weekly basis is, is pretty cool, this whole revitalization process of a neighborhood, but it's actually happening, happening with all of our lives uh, as individuals in the cafe. So, um, yeah, just, just watching them be more vocal, um, really striving to be excellent in their drink building, in their customer service. And a couple of them are now almost ready to be uh, tested to get their certification for as baristas. And, um, and just getting feedback from my managers and of how well they're uh, really moving towards that goal and how they're more excited about it. Um, those are exciting things to, to see when, when you actually see a human life just being transformed right before your eyes. And it's not easy. It's not, it's not fast, but it takes, it, it's, it's still happening. And I think when we can, as leaders, mark those moments for them and say, hey, look, look, this is where you were and this is where you've been. And I'm not going to mention a name, but um, I just had, I, do, I started a lot of one-on-one um, mentoring with each of, the, each of the staff people from managers all the way down. And with our teen employees, especially, there was one that we were meeting and I'm like, wow, this is going great. Like I'm starting to share different things and, and, and we're having great conversations. I really feel like my um, influence in her life and, and I'm really inspiring her and, and all these things were going really well. And then all of a sudden one meeting, um, you know, we went through some stuff, some hard, hard talk and she actually walked out on me. She actually wow. walked out on the meeting, and it was almost over anyway, so it was all right. But you know, just figuring out what am I, what do I do, right? Do I do I say no, you can't leave, or or but but you know, I just said okay, you know, no problem, right? And she wasn't rude. She just said, you know, I gotta go, and and she left. And my heart sunk. I I felt like man, everything I'm doing, maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe. Uh, and this leads to this this other part about um, really knowing and believing what 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 you're called to do is going through those rough spells and saying, you know what, you got to keep plowing through those things. And the coolest part about that was that th- that night was our store meeting, so all the student employees had to be there, right? And I was so concerned that she was going to drop out or not come and. And, and I was just so worried about it. I ended up texting her and saying, you know what, if I said anything that hurt you or it affected you in a wrong way, I, I do apologize. You're so valuable to this place and to me, right? And um, she ended up showing up at the meeting right on time or she was a little bit early. Hmm. And I was able to go over to her and give her a big hug. She gave me a hug. And, um, you know, and then the week after we had our next meeting, she showed up for our you know, one-on-one. And we talked a little bit about it. And it was so awesome to know that, you know, something like that happened, but then she really learned from it. She even apologized to me. And uh, I was able to apologize to her. And and we were just a step further in the process now. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just am so thrilled about what's happening and it may not happen for every individual and I have to I have to be ready for that. Mm. There may be people that drop out of this and never come back. There may be people that go away for a while and come back. I just don't know. But but the systems that we put in place 
and and the type of development and leadership kind of um, growth plan that we have for each of these, you know, maybe not just girls. Right now they're all girls, but I'm hoping one day they'll be a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we have those things in place, believe in it and believe in the process and keep pursuing uh, with the right um, um, I don't know the right. Just just being able to be really innovative in every next step, I think will create um, new things from happening. You know, new new and and when I say new is we we hope that we can build a model of sustainability with this so that we can end up creating new things uh, in the Beachwood neighborhood. Yeah, it's kind of like you you talk about when you're talking about the coffee bean, right? It needs to go through extreme temperature and pressure to to have that final finished product, and you know it needs to go through that. And and similarly with with our lives, we 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 grow stronger and and, yeah. and come from that, and and our our true our true nature comes out sometimes when we're when we're able to uh, when we're able to overcome those things, and certainly the support that that you're providing uh, and that kind of uh, whole whole employment experience that, that maybe they didn't have before. So, so tell me about what does both for, both for new city and for, for the, you know, current employees, what does the future look like? Are you trying to get them to go get jobs in another coffee shop? Are you trying to get them to, you know, go apply to colleges? What, what is, what does success look like? How do you measure success for your employees? Yeah. Um, I think I, I measure success by, um, their, wholeness and every meeting we have that's be, be, kind of become the theme um, is is wholeness mind body soul and spirit and building sustainable change in those four quadrants of life right because ultimately we're not just a physical being and we're not just a spiritual being um, we have a mind and we have a soul uh, we have feelings we have emotions right so really investigating those quadrants in the lives of all the staff members and being able to ask them questions that cause them to really look at their whole life as a whole person. And, and I think that, that is ultimately uh, the goal of New City Cafe because when a person's whole, they can attack the world, right? When they're in, when they're in fragments uh, or I just get a fragment of one of the well, staff members, right? Um, you know, we just talked about it in our, one of our meetings is – is you know when you show up to work and you clock in, right? Excellence means that you are everything that we've taught you to be and everything that you need to be for all four and a half hours of your shift. I mean, imagine a worker coming in and saying, you know what, one hour, I'm going to give it my all, and the next three, especially when it slows down, I'm just going to go halfway. And um, New City Cafe is all about. Um, no, that's not what you're going to do, right? You're going to give it your all every time that you're clocked in. Um, and so, yeah, our, our success is measured by um, all of us, every part of the, 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 the cafe that each member from the director all the way down, we are all growing into wholeness, right? And so that we can um, – um, conquer new and bigger things. Um, the other way I would measure success is uh, my my personal goal is that um, Nick, my uh, general manager right now, and myself, one day that we would we would love to see Nick out of a job, you know, and into the next and bigger thing that I pull him along with me for, um, and to see one of our student employees fulfill that role. 
Um, so my personal goal is goal is in the next five years that someone would be trained and would be able to become the general manager of New City Cafe. Um, and that's the ultimate goal is that um, we want to give uh, the best opportunity um, for, for our employees and so in-house. But at the same time, we can't employ everyone. So we do hope that the training that they receive, um, the leadership development that they receive, and the wholeness that they can attain, right, um, will be the best offering that New City Cafe can give to the community around us, to the to the world around us, for any job that they take. That they're the that's what I tell them. If you go somewhere else, you better be the best employee there, or start a business, do something right. that would be great. So you're you're leading a little bit. You you alluded to um, you know potentially you being somewhere else and, and your general manager Nick being somewhere else so that you could have some other folks uh, take on for you. So I know that as much as you love coffee, uh, you are thinking uh, bigger picture beyond New City Cafe and beyond just coffee. And and you're also talking about re- revitalizing but not changing the, the the Beachwood neighborhood. So so paint me a picture of five to ten years, whether with New City Cafe or or with John or with 441 Ministries or kind of Beachwood as a whole. I think all those things in, in your vision are, are all intertwined. But but what does that look like? I, I know that you're thinking about other other micro businesses. What, what, what does that look like for, for success in five or ten years? Yeah, I think that um, New City Cafe has caused me to really think about um, a wholeness in a community, right? And, and a community to be whole is that it can't be dependent on outside of its community all the time. So how do we build and revitalize through the neighborhood people and the residents to build from, from inside out? Because um, businesses have to grow, and we need a little more support outside in order to sustain the business. But let's start inside out. Uh, not, let's not bring things from external in and then ravage the things that are already there. So my hope and dream um, and I, and, I, and I pray the board will uh, walk alongside me, is to create micro-businesses um, such as a laundromat, such as a grocery store that I know that's in the heart of a lot of board members um, in the Beachwood neighborhood, uh, maybe a small assembly business or, or um, another coffee shop on another corner. Um, but we would love to create micro-businesses that, or I would love to do that, that would be the vision that I would love to fulfill in the next five to ten years, that we can employ two, three, four people at a time in these new micro-businesses from the neighborhood and do the same kind of, um, follow the same model with New City Cafe that someone would eventually take on the management, general manager role in those businesses. Um, And maybe one day that we would give opportunity for uh, maybe one of the general managers that are, you know, 10, 12 years down the road to buy into the business. Uh, um, we haven't got there yet, but, um, but that's, that's my goal in the next uh, five to 10 years. Yeah, em- employee ownership, uh, you know, trying to get them to to feel ownership, but then even giving them ownership can be a powerful way to make sure certainly that their voices are heard and, the, and that they're also getting some of that uh, contribution and, and, and wealth wealth building in the neighborhood can be important. So I think, I think that's really... Uh, 
uh, inspiring vision for for the future of of New City, uh, whether it's New City Cafe or New City Grocery Store or New City Laundromat or whatever whatever the case may be. So. I, I'm curious from your perspective. Uh, you know, you certainly have a very, a very conscious capitalism mentality in terms of what business can be for uh, for the world and, and for the, for a community. Whether whether we're talking about on a on a micro neighborhood level or or the world and, and the planet. Um, but what do you think keeps more businesses from adopting this mindset, or more leaders from adopting this mindset? I think I go back to that quote that it's so easy and it's so hard. And I think it's um, easy because the actual idea seems simple. It's simple. Um, you take care of the people that work for you. You you train them up and you create great leaders um, and allow them to thrive uniquely in the talents that they have. Um and yet the, the bottom line and the profit margins and, and their, your own selfish well-being. And I'm not calling all leaders selfish, but I know that as human beings, we can tend to become selfish and inwardly thinking. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that probably the greatest thing that deters uh, this kind of mindset is, is the individual leader. Um, I think it starts with the leader to... Um, really have a very strong introspective look at their own heart and desires and what they really want. At the end of the day, what is it? What is the ROI for their life? And if that's money, um, you can't think other ways, you know. But if it's if it's um, growth for for the business through the people that are under you, then I think I think that's a great ROI. And that's that's what we think about at New City is it's all about the people and the neighborhood and the community uh, that all benefits, right, from uh, the growth of a business. Then everybody wants it to grow, not just you. I, that's quotable. I love that. What is the ROI for your life? I, I love that. And, and so I'm, I'm curious, Is was there a particular something you can point to that, that made you start to evolve your consciousness in this direction or was it kind of just over the course of your life, you know, continual introspection that, that moved you towards that? I really believe that God gave me a mindset and a heart that always wants to reinvent the wheel. And, and, and sometimes it could be a detriment because I try to do things all by myself without looking at and reading in and getting coaching and different things that will help me. Um, so I've, I've matured in that area a little bit. But, but yeah, I think there's this something inside of me that constantly wants change. I, I want something to be better. Um, and, and I know we don't have a lot of time, but a quick story. Long time ago, I worked at this little assembly company. They, they assembled video, video cards for computers, old tube computers. And I'd sit there on the assembly line, and there was a huge table, and there's like 20 people all standing around the table, and each computer uh, pad was, um, the video card was passed along the row, and each person was putting their own chip in it. And I thought, this is crazy. What a waste of time, right? So I just did this little makeshift assembly machine, and I had these tubes with all the chips, and I would have a stack of cards, and I have an empty stack, and I would just 
pull from these tubes all the chips and did the card myself and put it stacked it. It went so much quicker. And so that I, I think that's how God geared my mind is always thinking, how do I do something better? Um, and it actually helped everybody else. I don't know if they ever put that into place, but <laughs> as long as I worked there, that's the way I did it, and I did double the work. So do you have any any sound bites of, of advice uh, for leaders who may be curious about or, or, or interested in conscious capitalism that maybe is it about that mindset of continual improvement or, or what would you what would you advise them to kind of adopt some of these qualities in their own leadership style in life? Yeah, I'll go back to Danny Myers. I, I keep going. This keeps ringing in my head is it's so simple. It's so hard. So do what is hard, right? So that you can keep doing what's simple. And that that's effective in any any business, I believe. So final question for, for those listeners who uh, want to support you, want to learn more, want to get involved. Certainly they can head on down to 441 uh, Parcells Ave and grab a great cup of coffee and, and participate in the community. But are there any other particular ways that they could get involved or support you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are a nonprofit coffee shop. We're doing something totally radical and different. And... Um, so we need support. We need financial support. So you can support us by coming in every day, getting one of the best coffees in all of Rochester. Um, or you can go on um, New City. It's actually nccafe.org to our website and kind of read about what we're doing. And, and there is a donate button. So you can come in and donate. You could uh, go on our website and donate. But all your support goes towards building up our students and uh, so that we can keep the lights on there. And uh, we'll, we'll keep doing what we're supposed to do um, to make sure we build great profitability. Um, but if we, we could take all the help we can get too. Well, John, thanks so much for coming on. Truly an honor. Uh, I really appreciate you you talking with us today, but even more so appreciate all the work that you're doing day in and day out with those students and, and changing a lot of lives and looking forward to seeing what's what the future of New City holds. And we'll have to have you on in the future to, to see what that next New City business is. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. I appreciate you very much too. This episode is brought to you by Wicked Squid Studios, Rochester, New York's premier podcast development team. The Wicked Squid family brings ideas to life through the art of audio production. From custom jingles and creative services to studio memberships and educational curriculum, their outfit strives to empower all members of society to build a more equal and colorful world. Learn more about their operation at wickedsquidstudios.com.